Chapter 3. Stone Deaf Ears Katie, Wraith, the Queen and Alec all descended into its dark abyss. Their footsteps echoed around the stone-arched tunnel. Water seeped from the moss-stricken stonework. Stained and rotten posters of advertising from past events littered the walls. The further they walked, the more distant the noise from the ballroom became. Water dripped on the Queen's flawless dress. As she walked, it trailed in the dirt of the floor. She was not taking any notice. This alarmed Katie. She knew that a woman such as the Queen would not normally tolerate that. How long is it going to take? Katie shouted to the Queen, who was many steps in front. Not long, dear. The Queen did not sound sincere, and Katie frowned. When was the last time you were down here? she asked. Last week, the Queen snapped. After a long while of walking and many wrong turns, they reached what they all believed was the entrance to the exit. Ah, here we are. You will need your tickets, said the Queen, and with that she brandished two gold tickets the size of a credit card. Of course, fisherman, there is not one for you, Katie said promptly. He's having mine. The Queen and Wraith sighed and groaned. Look, said Katie, I did say he's coming. Where's this boss, that guy I need to speak to? As soon as she had finished the sentence, the walls began moving and shivering. All parties looked nervous. It's going to cave in, cried Alec. But instead of the ceiling collapsing, the stonework from the wall next to the entrance began to move and protrude further, shaping into a form. Insects from their moist perches rushed for safety. After a while of stone shifting, a large man had appeared. His stone-shaped hand raised to clear an electric house poster from his face. As soon as the poster was snatched from his face, he sneezed a cloud of dust and coughed and spluttered. The man was a six-foot-four man mountain of stone. A suit and a bow tie were etched into him, which gave the appearance of wearing a suit. Ugh, your name is not down. You can't come in, he said. His voice was deep and it echoed all the way down the tunnel. And with that, the man took two steps to the left and covered the entrance. Two red eyes appeared as he opened his eyes. You look sleepy, said Katie. I've been asleep for a long time. How long have you been asleep? I can't remember. It must have been a while, he said, returning his speech to its normal pace. What's your name? asked Katie. To you, lady. It's the boss. I'm the boss of this door. Do you have tickets? We do. Good. Let me see them. Katie handed them to the large stone figure. Her hand looked so small against his, as his thumb and finger pinched both tickets. He raised them up to his red cricket ball-sized eyes. Yes, these are valid. Two of you may go through. Well, we need three of us. That's a shame, as you only have two tickets. Katie began to flirt and tilt her head. That won't work, lady. You're not my type. You are not made of what I like. And what's that? Stone. Katie's trick would often run rings around mail door security, but this time her powers were useless. She was stumped. She asked a few more questions, but was compressed against the wall by the boss's mighty arm. Stand to the side, please, the Queen intervened. She must be allowed to pass. I grant it. You do. And who are you? 
I am the queen, your boss, she shouted. My boss is King Tony. King Tony is no more. It is my husband who is king now. I've heard that one before. If you carry on, I shall not let any of you pass. Typical Stonehead, thought Katie. I told you only two of you can go through, said the queen. Fisherman, you shall have to come back with me. That means I'm not going either, Katie said defiantly. Wait, wait, said a voice coming from far down the tunnel. The voice which sounded loud was that of a woman. A moment later they saw a palm-sized small body between two wings emerging from the dark corridor. Jane, shouted Katie. Yes, how could you forget me? Jane was not flying straight, but up and down. Katie looked closer and noticed that Jane was grasping a shot glass. Boss, I'll give you your favourite shot if you let us in, Jane said with optimism and excitement. How do you know what my favourite is? My mum used to sneak these to you. Ah, you are Sally's girl. How's she doing? She is cocooned and married now. She had a family of three. Oh, time has passed, he said. Can you pour it in my mouth for me? Jane flew up to the boss's mouth. He opened it, showing a large gaping hole with just a few stone teeth. Jane hovered over his mouth, but suddenly plunged into it. The weight of the glass must have been too much. The boss kept his mouth open, but his eyes became half shut. Jane! Jane! shouted Katie in sheer panic. The boss grabbed his neck and began wheezing. Help! Help! I'm stuck in his throat! Jane cried from the boss's mouth. He's choking on Jane! shouted Alec. This happened to me when I ate a bony lava fish. The stone man had fallen to his knees. The impact caused small pieces of him to crumble and fall to the ground. The tiles on the floor split into two. Katie rushed behind and tried lifting him to his feet. Her effort was futile, as he must have weighed over a ton. We need to use the Heimlich manoeuvre, shouted Katie. Alec and Wraith looked perplexed. Get him to his feet! Katie shrieked with desperation. All three, apart from the Queen, tried lifting the stone man to his feet. It's no use, Katie. We would need at least four creel. Boxes used to catch lobsters. Cranes to lift this giant, Alec said. The boss was still wheezing and spluttering and began to slow down. He was showing alarming signs that he was giving up the fight. Jane's voice could no longer be heard. What's this manoeuvre? Wraith said inquisitively. Wraith showed no fear, but is still calmless. Katie broke from her anxious, fluttered state because of how Wraith spoke. You have to lift him up from behind and give him a sharp jolt to the diaphragm, which should free the blockage. Wraith paused for a moment. The stone man, still on all fours, went deadly silent. Katie began to panic with a teary cry. Wraith walked up to the kneeling stone man and raised his hand high, letting out a loud shout. Wraith chopped the stone man's back. It was so hard that if he had been human, his back surely would have broken. The chopping thud echoed within the giant and out flew Jane. Her tiny body rocketed out from the boss's mouth. When she hit the ground, her body tumbled and rolled until it reached a standstill. Katie immediately ran towards Jane. She picked her up. Her tiny body lay apparently lifeless in her hand. Jane! Jane, can you hear me? Katie blew hard onto her tiny body and immediately Jane awoke drew breath and said, half-conscious, Redberry shot breath, sure can wake a girl. Katie smiled and remembered the stone man. 
Whilst helping the boss up, Wraith and Alec were wobbling under the boss's weight. Wraith formed a martial arts stance to keep the man propped up. A red, fiery glow returned to the boss's eyes. It seems I owe my life to you all. I thought I was going to visit the quarry in the sky. You actually owe it to the chop of Wraith, said Katie. Wraith modestly accepted his praise. Well, thank you. Alec jumped in with a lightning bolt idea. Well, can you let us all in now? The boss pulled an awkward face, which was impressive as it was made of stone. I wish I could, but the ride actually requires a ticket. You have to trade it to ride. There was silence as the entire group digested this credible obstacle. Where do we get these tickets? Katie said. They're sold out. Typical, thought Katie, as quite often all the popular raves and parties were sold out weeks in advance, which usually meant a desperate adventure of trying to find unwanted tickets. Oh, I do have one ticket. I've kept it for so long I almost forgot. He pulled open his stone jacket and reached deep inside. The jacket crumpled and cracked, and once the dust cloud had cleared from rummaging deep in his pocket, he produced a golden ticket. There, I was saving it for your mother, Jane. But I guess she won't be returning any time soon, as she must have her hands full. Jane smiled and said, You liked her, didn't you? She was the best fairy of the lot, although I think my size put her off. No, my mum likes big men, especially stoned handsome ones like you. Oh, well, it was in the past. We better put her ticket to good use. He handed it to Jane's tiny hands. Jane fluttered her wings faster to compensate for the extra weight and flew to Alec's smiling face. Here you go, Smiler. I don't need it. I will fly above the ride. The stone man stepped aside and exposed another tunnel entrance, which was thoroughly decorated. Disco lights shone from the ceiling and the floor. The lights bounced and reflected from its mirrored walls. Along the tunnel were raised tables with unfinished cocktails. As they passed the boss, he said, By the way, my name is Dave, and be careful down there. It's been quite some time since the ride's been ridden. Thanks, Dave. We shall be aware, said Wraith. I'll let Mum know I've seen you, Dave, said Jane. Dave, in return, chuckled deeply. Proudly, they all clutched their tickets. The Queen looked pleased, as she knew Katie would finally be on her way. Well, now you can all commence your quest, said the Queen. Remember, Katie, the King needs to discover his confidence. Your mission is of great importance, as you will save the palace from the miserable work and slavery of the bureaucrats. Katie reacted. Yes, Queenie, don't worry your pretty little white socks off. I'm aware of what needs to be done. The Queen bit her lip. She couldn't stand having her authority mocked. She spun around, creating a gust of wind from her long dress, and marched off back to the palace. As her back was turned, she uttered, Remember, Wraith, no more chances. As they walked down the entrance to the ride, music mysteriously began playing. Katie said, This sounds like 80s music. What's 80s music? Alec asked. You know, music from years ago. David Bowie, Whitney Houston, Duran Duran. It plays on loop in the cheese room in the club I go to. People love it. I'm at sea most of the time, but I recognise those names. 
I think some of them have visited the palace, and a few have come to sea with me. Wraith said, Katie, we often have visitors from your world, but they don't stay very long. Rio by Duran Duran played along the corridor. The disco lights flickered and matched the beat. As they walked, they could see that people had been there long before, as used cigarettes lay in ashtrays. The music from the song aroused the group. Jane flew in front, making circles in time with the music, and Alec played a pretend invisible saxophone. The tunnel curved and snaked around the corners. There was a dividing rail in the middle, which suggested it once managed large hordes of people. Katie enjoyed bunny-hopping over it. Wraith hung back from the others, displaying a small glimpse of a smile. After many Duran Duran songs, they reached the end. They exited the tunnel into a large open-spaced room with the sound of gushing water. Inflatable boats rested on a flowing river. Several queue stands lined the water's edge with boats ready to be boarded. Katie thought, This looks so familiar. She had a strange sense of deja vu. On wooden decking, they waited apprehensively before the queue stand signed, Wait to be seated. A man from a wooden hut, raised high above the water, came out, paused for effect, and continued down a set of wooden steps. On walking, he overlapped his legs and shook his hair. His hair resembled a lion's mane, but also had a streak of pink dye within it. His face was decorated in exaggerated makeup. As he walked, the coattails from his tuxedo lagged on the steps behind, and his arms bent and moved outwards, like he was a bizarre ballet dancer. The man remained on the last two steps, and with his elongated hands, he parted his jacket, revealing a purple satin sash, and sung, Tickets! Awaiting a response, he tilted his head and gave a glaring, intrigued look. Oh, oh, you have never been on this ride, have you? How could you tell? Katie asked. You are not dressed for it. I don't think I have ever dressed for it, Katie said playfully. Do you know the ride's purpose? Yes, it is the exit from the palace, said Wraith in a pained voice. He was growing weary of delays. Oh, I believe this handsome warrior is growing tired. Have you been travelling long? A while. We have tickets. Can you let us board? Wraith said once more. Katie interrupted Wraith by saying, Why has the ride not been ridden in a while? It looks fun. News hasn't reached you. I'm new here, replied Katie. The last group never left the ride, and since then we have not had visitors. I am pleased you are here, Katie. How do you know my name? It's my job to know all my passengers' names. Are you a woman or a man? interrupted Wraith. I am neither. Or either. To you, that does not matter. But what does matter is what type of ride I shall give you. Great, a riddler, said Wraith, sarcastically. I like riddles, said Katie. I wish most spoke this way. Come, come, let me board you. He placed one arm across Katie's back. Wraith immediately snatched it away and shouted, Don't touch her! Ooh, feisty warrior. Once you're on my ride, you will have to ask, not demand. Wraith glared at him. He had never seen this man before and had no idea how he knew both of their names. Wraith didn't react to him. He didn't want his emotions read. Katie, on the other hand, was enjoying his entertaining performance. Katie, dear, may I join you on your vessel? said the man. You may, once I know your name, 
I never go alone with strangers. I have several, but you call me Lutzith. Lutz, okay? Splendid. Katie and Lutz made their way onto the first rubber boat. The boat was large and buoyant. It had two seats at the front and two at the rear. You two fine sirs, take the second boat at the rear, said Lutz. We shall join you, Lutz, exclaimed Wraith. I wish to talk and share this experience with Katie alone. She has intrigued me. Katie's eyes widened as he said, intrigued. Wraith, it's okay. He's not going to run off with me. You'll be able to keep an eye on me she said with a slight snort of laughter. Wraith felt slightly embarrassed by his overprotective nature. He chose to respect Katie's request. So he didn't answer and climbed with Alec onto the boat behind. Jane flew and sat on Alec's shoulder, which was close to Wraith's ear. I don't trust him, Wraith, Jane whispered quietly. I'm in agreement with you, Jane. You are in safe hands, boomed Lutz five metres away in the leading boat. How did he hear that? said Jane. Wraith shrugged his shoulders. Commence ride! Lutz clapped his hands, which prompted a grinding mechanical noise of cogs turning. Steam filled the room. Wraith and Alec looked around to see where the noise was coming from, but nothing could be seen. There was a sudden jolt as the boats began to move. Instantly, Wraith understood that the boats were being pulled by tracks from under the water, which gave the illusion they were floating independently. As the boats began to move, Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood played simultaneously. Katie felt nervous and excited. She first felt this way when her father took her on a water ride at Disneyland. She now remembered her adrenaline gradually built and reached a peak when the boat overlooked a massive drop. Now her heightened feelings were also due to the presence of her unknown companion. He made her feel uneasy. She felt both danger and a wild thrill because she knew he had a hidden agenda. The boats began climbing out of the water onto a mechanised conveyor belt. The strain of the machinery pulsated noise from under the gloomy water surface. Wraith saw Katie raise her hands when her boat reached the peak of the climb. Then he saw Lutz reach with his darkened, suited arm around her back and squeeze tight. Wraith's blood boiled and surged, for he had told Lutz that such actions were distinctly not allowed. To the sound of Katie's delighted shriek, she and Lutz disappeared out of sight. Wraith was worried and uneasy. He thought, I've lost Katie. My role for her is to keep her safe, and now I can't even see her. Jane noticed Wraith's tight fist willing the boat to move faster. She said, Wraith, it's okay. If you prefer, I'll fly ahead and keep an eye on her. Thanks, Jane, but not yet. We don't know enough about the ride, and I don't want to lose you too. You're quite the protector, aren't you? Before Wraith could answer, she said, It's okay. I'm a fairy, or actually a small human. There are lots of things I can do that others cannot. Jane took off and flew at almost the speed of light, up the climb, and then immediately nosedived out of sight. Wraith was left with Alex sitting to his left. This was the first time that both men had been left alone together. Wraith believed he had nothing in common with Alec, so he was awkwardly conversationally stinted towards him. Alec, oblivious to Wraith's fears, concerns and discomfort, said, I've never been on a ride before, but sailing deep at sea during a storm is pretty scary. Marilyn and Whitney love the storms as much as Katie loves this. What are you talking about? 
Women love adventures and rides. Whenever there is a storm coming, I would have queues of them waiting at the fishing port, begging me for a ride. How odd, said Wraith. They reached the pinnacle and tilted over the drop. Alec leaned over and said, Nothing lives in these waters. Wraith gave Alec an odd and bemused look, and then the pair plunged almost vertically fifty feet down into the dark unknown. Splash! Water soaked the pair, and a large puddle pulled around their feet. Wraith thought it was good Jane had left, as she would have been drowned in such water. The water was vile and putrid and stung their eyes. This water is noxious, said Wraith. It's dead water. No fish live here, said Alec. The boat ahead could once more be seen. Katie was still safe, but now she was snuggling shoulder to shoulder with Lutz. Both boats sailed through a canopy of spraying water, which was illuminated by lights. A rainbow formed within the spray. Dancers performed a synced routine to the beat of Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood, and the boats made their way through a scene of performance. Neon lights decorated the walls, mannequins wearing wigs and leather danced and moved on either side of the boat. Some mannequins were hidden and reached from prison-barred boxes to grab Wraith and Alex. Katie was pointing in excitement to each feature. She had not seen anything like it. What is this? she asked. This is the ride. We wanted an exciting way for our guests to leave. We were inspired by many guests who visited from Earth years ago. They brought with them this new and strange music. The palace folk loved it. The ride is a tribute to its magic, but it was never appreciated because the visitors stopped coming. Why? Sometimes, Katie, things die from popularity. The boats headed for the exit tunnel. What's through there? asked Katie. Patience, my dear, don't ruin the surprise. Both boats entered the next tunnel. Drum and synthesizers plus an electric keyboard blared out. Appearing from the tunnel, the lights flashed on, and Take On Me by Aha played. A mannequin on a keyboard played frantically whilst wiggling its hips. A loud horn sounded, and coloured pink and yellow foam sprayed at both sides of the boat. Rogue, rebellious, male-dressed mannequins in motorcycle jackets and blue jeans performed on either side of the boats. One of them pointed to Katie. "'He wants you. Go dance with him,' said Lutz. "'What, now?' "'Yes!' Go, Katie! Katie stood and the boat rocked slightly. The mannequin reached out for her hand. Katie accepted and jumped onto the set. Wraith tried to stand up, but could not. There were two bars pinning him down. They weren't there before. They must have locked on before the drop, Wraith said in frustration. The boats were still moving. Alex and Wraith passed Katie. She was being spun and danced with by several mannequins. Enjoy, Katie said Lutz in a deep voice. Katie, get back on the boat, ordered Wraith. What? I said get back in the boat. I can't hear you. Katie could hear Wraith, but she was enjoying herself too much to stop. Lutz, release these bars, ranted Wraith. It is not I who decides. Lutz, I'm warning you. Like I said, Wraith. You can ask, but not demand. Both boats sailed into the next tunnel without Katie. All that could be heard in the tunnel was Wraith telling Lutz how much of a whooping he was going to receive. The boat sailed into yet another dark room, and once more was brightly lit up by neon party lights. 
Wraith had unknowingly changed position. He was now at the back of the boat with a person who was not Alec. Alec was still sitting in the front, but also had an unknown person next to him. Wraith was surprised to see next to him a mannequin wearing a leather cap, leather waistcoat, and a dog collar and chains dangling from his garments. They are for your own protection. If you struggle, they will only enjoy restraining you, said Lutz. Wraith, mine is touching my leg, said Alec nervously. Wraith too felt his neck being stroked. Relax, take it easy, said the mannequin next to Wraith. Wraith instantly replied, Touch us, and you both won't have any arms left. Too much testosterone you have. They are my pacifiers for guests who are anxious or nervous, echoed Lutz's voice. Lutz, stop this ride now, commanded Wraith. Wraith, you can only ask, and you must say please. Wraith remembered his years of training. He needed to master his emotions. He must control his anger and fear, because he was becoming predictable and easy to manipulate. He was now at the rides and Lutz's mercy. He needed to escape, but muscle and force for now were not going to be the answer. Where is Katie? Wraith shouted. There was no reply to his answer. The lights went dark once more, and Alex said, Hands off, pacifier. I am very calm. Again the lights flashed on, a spotlight centred on a stage to their right. The rest of the room was dark. Katie stepped into the light wearing a beautiful white wedding dress. Snowflakes, glitter and confetti fell all around her. All three men were quiet. Jane fluttered around her head. Katie looked surprised, happy and scared all at once. Such a mix of feelings were causing Katie to feel euphoric. She was now the centre of attention. Man-eater by Daryl Hall and John Oates played, contradicting her outfit. Her corset pressed against her chest, making Alec forget about his uneasy journey. Wraith looked stern, and Katie was like a rabbit in the headlights. I bet you have broken many hearts, Lutz said. When Lutz spoke, it sounded like he was using a megaphone. His voice was louder than the music. Three mannequins dressed in male wedding suits and top hats stepped into the light. Their suits were ripped with broken hearts sewn across the chest. In routine, they began to circle and dance around Katie. One lifted her and laid her backwards in its arms, and her hair fell back. Wraith's attention momentarily lapsed. The lights were dark once more, and they headed into another tunnel. When the boats emerged, they were in yet another room. Katie had been placed back in the leading boat with Lutz, who said, Did you enjoy dancing with my men? Bewildered, Katie looked at Lutz and said, You're crazy. Very true, Katie, but crazy excites you. Stop thinking you know me. You're a creep. Creeps have never dissuaded you before. Katie was now in such a state of confusion. To the left of the boat were many female-formed mannequins dancing. They were dressed in ballet outfits and were all elegantly dancing to China Girl by David Bowie. David Bowie's voice matched Lutz's voice. The music gave Katie a sense that something sinister was lying in wait. These China girls have danced non-stop since the rise creation... I think they are madder than I. They hate imperfection. So woe betide anyone who fails to meet their standards. This won't matter should you not survive the fall. 
the lights flashed out and immediately relit. Katie asked, Lutz, are you good or bad? Is this a game? There was no answer. Lutz, I guess you have been on this ride for too long. We can help you. Still, there was no answer, so she pulled his arm. Lutz's body fell in her lap. It felt hollow and light, and when she saw his face, she noticed it was a lifeless mannequin. Shivers ran down her spine and she screamed. Ah! Katie, are you okay? shouted Wraith. Frantically, she cried. It's Lutz! He's changed into a dead mannequin! A high-pitched craze noise came from beyond the two boats. Jane flashed back at breakneck speed towards them. She screamed. A drop! Ahead! The ride finishes and the water falls! You must get out! Wraith wriggled the trapping bar and said, I can't! I'm stuck and the bar is locked! Wraith turned to Alec and said, Alec, do you have a fishing hook? Of course, he said, and he rummaged through his long mac and pulled out a very large hook, which Wraith took. He could see a lock, which he thought he could pick and set them free. He leant forward over the trapping bar, as he did, he felt the mannequin's hand on his back. He gripped his tunic and began pulling him back up. Wraith looped his arm around the mannequin's thin, long, white arm. Snap! He broke its arm, and then delivered a forceful elbow strike to its head, smashing it in half, sending its leather cap into the dark water. The mannequin in the front turned instantly, but was met smartly with a short, snapping punch straight to the centre of its face. Its head detached from its body and splashed into the water. Don't lose your head, shouted Alec. Wraith gave a little smile. He admired his work. He leaned over once more to try the lock. It's no use, Wraith, echoed Lutz's voice. Lutz could be heard, but not seen. He must be secretly watching them. All you have to do is ask politely, Wraith. Let us out, you madman, screamed Wraith. Now, now, Wraith, you haven't learned, have you? You don't get to demand. You can only ask. Say please, Wraith. Say please. A mental barrier erected within Wraith's mind. He was not submissive to anyone, but now he was being forced to do so. Wraith, screamed Katie. Her voice was becoming more alarmed and high pitch. She could see the end coming. Please let us out, said Alec. No, it has to be Wraith. I want him to plead with me. Wraith, with frustration, gripped the bars and said, Fine, please let us out. Eh, that wasn't so painful. Your obedience will be rewarded. The bars popped open. As soon as they did, Wraith sprang from his seat, stepped up onto the front seat's headrest. He paused and then leapt five metres, soaring through the air like a bird. Water sprayed from his hair from a continued arch of water that sprayed above. He landed in a press-up position on the leading boat. Looking up towards Katie, he noticed her face had dropped. Her large brown eyes were wider than he had ever seen. Frozen by fear, all she could do was point. Wraith knew exactly what at, and he didn't waste the precious moment. The boat tipped over the edge, water dissipated into the dark oblivion below, Wraith grabbed Katie with one arm and leapt from the falling boat, which was now in midair. He jumped far with Katie and wide away from the fast-falling water. They dropped and plummeted towards the dark oblivion. Wraith felt his stomach rise, and he could not hear anything over Katie's high-pitched scream. To their surprise, they came to an immediate stop. They were suspended in the air by nothing visible. 
Wraith frantically looked around to understand why. He turned to look at Katie, who was holding very tight with one arm. Katie smiled and said, Look! She pointed to a hook in Wraith's tunic which had lodged into a thick part of his v-neck. Alec! He's hooked us! They began slowly moving upwards away from the dark oblivion. Wraith had little choice but to look into Katie's eyes as his face was pressed up against hers. He felt a sudden flood of feelings, excitement and nervousness. It was uncontrollable. Katie's natural face, large lips, flowing hair and captivating eyes created a feeling deep within him. He felt her fast-beating heart pressed up against his. Katie's face was relaxed and softened. He had never seen this look before. His face softened in response. He couldn't help it. He was submitting to her and couldn't fight it. Katie whispered, You jumped for me. Wraith didn't answer, but searched for his words. I would have jumped for Alec. Katie smiled and looked deep into his eyes. Wraith felt a strong temptation to kiss her, but he knew he shouldn't. He remained searching for his words, and Katie gave back a stare of vulnerability. Right, well, this is cosy, isn't it? Katie said, reverting to her strong-willed comedic self. Wraith appreciated her taking the initiative. Yes, this was close. A mistake I should not have made. Their heads popped over the surface to see Alex standing in a squatting position, reeling them in with his right arm. Katie said, That's a strong arm you have. This arm and rod has reeled many fat fish in. You two are light work. Aha! Uh-huh.